don't bet on institutions taking care of you ever. You're expendable to them. They should be expendable to you. Hello and welcome to Squeezing the Orange of Social Science, a podcast co-hosted by myself, comedian Akin Omobitan and Professor Dan Cable. On each episode, the two of us pick apart peer-reviewed and published social science papers and we squeeze them for their best bits so that you, the lovely listeners, don't have to sift through pages and pages of academic literature. What's up, Dan? Hello there, Akin. I'm hey, really hey, hey. enjoying the way that you said literature. Very I'm trying, nice to, I'm trying to jazz things up, man. It gets <laughs> a bit repetitive after some time. Let's, uh, let's sprinkle yeah. some flavor on it. <laughs> Have you ever thought that an employer would hold you for your lifetime? Have you ever thought that it's their responsibility to keep you happy and employed? Just the idea of that alone gives me like a cold sweat. There's there's a certain kind of freedom I feel like everyone should have in being servitude to any 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 organization. I'm gonna start like a, I'm gonna start doing like a is it Shawshank Redemption where he digs up a tunnel for a poster? Yes. That's gonna be me with like the company's mission statement, just kind of like boring a hole for a wall. And yes, <laughs> yes, I So, so Dan, like before we we jump into it, you're you're in a cottage somewhere. Oh, in, you can see that. <laughs> yes, I in, I, in, I, I have the privilege. I'm coming to you from Sudbury, uh, and that might mean I've got kind of not my microphone. I'm using these funny little headphones, so I hope that that's acceptable to you all. But I got to tell you. Uh, being here with the family and reading the article was pretty fun. It's funny before we get into it. It is so interesting how when you're on vacation, when you're on holiday, you have nothing to do at all. All we have to do is like sit around this cottage and yet finding two hours to read these pages was quite a challenge. It's like somehow dividing the time so that you decide when to do it was harder than average for me. So, I imagine yeah. it's like an additional mental leap as well, because on, on one hand, you have uh, 45 pages of a social science paper, and then you also gaze outside of the window and you just see like meadows and deer and wildlife. That's right. That's right. That's right. So anyway, it worked out really well. I was happy to read it because this is one of my favorite um, authors. Uh, this would be John Piero Patriglieri, um, Louis, uh, Jennifer Luis Patriglieri, and Jack Wood. And um, John Piero and Jennifer have written another article that we have worked with before. Um, and it's really fun reading their work because it's qualitative and careful. And so we know we've talked about this before, Akin, but rather than it being the statistical fest of using surveys, gathering data, and looking for analytics. This is more talking to a group of people about what's up in your life and then looking for surprises, looking for trends that we wouldn't have otherwise seen and being really careful and granular and gritty about what people say in their own words. And I, I think that's such a great way to learn. Shall I oh, much agree. title as well? Yeah, let's, yeah, throw the title at them as well, please, Dan. Fast Tracks and Inner Journeys, Crafting Portable Selves for Contemporary Careers. Do you want to pick awesome. up on any of that? 
I, I think actually this is probably one of the titles where I think what we could actually do is just have a bit of fun with the title itself uh, because I feel like this title is actually very well loaded and we can do it in a bit of, uh, we'll do it in reverse orders. So when we're talking about contemporary careers here, so what we're talking about is this idea that there is an expectation for employees to be very mobile really and to pretty much it's the normalization of uncertainty, yeah. which I think is, which really underlines what's going on here. The normalization of uncertainty and considering all of the wonders currently taking place in the world, this paper feels especially apt right now. And yeah. so that's what we're kind of looking at really. And so I'm going to throw the other section of you, uh, the other section of this title at you, Dan. So another yeah. element of it is this idea of crafting portable selves. What did that mean to yourself? I love this concept, Ak, and it could be one of the most powerful concepts possible for me right now because the idea that the narrative of who you think you are being not tied to an employer, but instead tied to you wherever you go is some shift that has happened that seems really empowering. I don't know if that word is like too overused right now. It feels really empowering to, in this case, the, the individual employee. And it has to do with being employable instead of expecting lifetime employment. And it's really weird. I guess I'm of an age, quite a bit older than you, where my parents would have thought more about the concept of if not guaranteed employment, the idea like if you didn't really mess up, you'd still have your job. And that really started to shift, it seemed, in the 80s, mid to late 80s, had a lot to do with tech, had a lot to do with speed of change, and it had a lot to do with companies deciding, we just got to start laying people off. We We cannot afford to hold and guarantee employment. And so what the smartest employers started thinking about and talking about is this concept about creating employability instead of guaranteeing employment. And that's a, that's a really big deal. So anyway, when we talked about this notion of crafting portable selves, it really just means the ability to take what you have learned and being able to uh, offer it to a marketplace so that you are valuable aside from your relationship with any one employer. Dope. And it turns <laughs> out this is, <laughs> I mean, <you've, laughs> that was my commentary. Dope. Gnarly dude. Um, <laughs> Radical. <laughs> so it turns out there's, there's two solid ways. There's two solid ways in which this is done. And this is also captured. This is like such a snazzy title because usually it's just heaps of words. And I'm just a bit like, what are you talking about? But this yeah, title yeah. really does lay it out. So the it's split between the two methods at which you are able to retain a high level of, uh, of employability in terms of like when you craft your portable self. So this is this idea of like, they split up as fast tracks and inner journeys. And I do think they're playing around with words. There it is a bit fun, this whole like tracks, mm-hmm. journey, mm-hmm. fast, inner, blah, blah, blah. But what they're looking at here is they're splitting this. So the fast tracks, the fast tracks you could refer to as individuals who their primary focus is, is technical, you could say how to get the job done. If I acquire enough skills and enough knowledge, 
I could do this job to a high standard anywhere. So there's a focus there on, on excellence, on being the best, Mm -hmm. the best out of several people who are very similar to you. And then on the other hand, you've got inner journeys. And I would describe inner journeys as people who that journey that they're taking, check this out, listeners, is inward. (laughs) They are, what what their focus is on is not that they want to have any job. No, 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 no. People who are focused on the inner journey, what they want to do is they want to be able to get to know themselves to a point where it's not that they could get any job, but they're going to be they're going to be better equipped at going for the jobs that they want. So there's a, they are. Yes, that's yeah. Sorry. Thank you very much for that correction, Dan. Yeah. The job that better fits who, who they are. And, um, what, 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 there's a quote that I, uh, that they end the study with, which I'm going to actually kind of like allow to lead us in. And so this is from one of the participants and the quote reads before, I thought I was more tied to people and to places and to organizations. And now I think that I can go anywhere. And this applies to both groups. So those who are more heavy on the, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to introduce the official language that they have now. So this is the individuals who are more adaptive. So the individuals who are more adaptive, who are like, I've got skills that I could take to any company. So this applies to them. And it also applies to the individuals who they describe here as being exploratory. So the exploratory individuals, they explore themselves. And then they have, how did you phrase it, Dan? They have the ability to go after the jobs that they, what was it? That well, they, I think the jobs that match who they them. are. Yeah. Yeah. And that's actually something um, we're going to introduce the sample here in a moment. But regardless of what kind of sample, it's this idea that you are comfortable and clear enough about your identity and who you are that you don't just take any job that you can do well. You look for institutions that reflect who you are and that you that you fit well within. And so it, in a sense, it allows you to be a lot more choosy and a lot more strategic about what type of organization you, you line yourself up with. And I think that there's a power in both of those. I, it's not that one's right and one's wrong. It's as we start to talk about this, I think it's worth revealing now, the sample that these um, authors looked at is a group of people that actually went to get their MBAs. And that's actually really, it's both clever and a little bit of a misstep, in my opinion. Because, Ooh. well, here's what's so cool about it for me. On the good side, sort of on the one hand, they have this group of people that are undergoing a sort of a journey, which is these are people that are going on a one-year, very intense MBA program, a European um, school, probably where two of them work. And that's really <laughs> exciting because they're able to track these people. We'll talk about it in a minute across time. So you do a longitudinal qualitative survey, structured interviews. It's really solid. And that's really nice data. On the other hand, a lot of the implications that come out are sort of how people join employment organizations, but they learned about it through going to get an MBA. And that's very clever and very interesting. It's almost like what the MBA itself does is it provides a holding uh, opportunity that holds them while they play and learn. And we'll give some quotes on that in a minute. And what I think one of the coolest things about this study is it's saying that the great employers of the future will become like MBA schools. 
They essentially will keep people loyal by getting them ready to leave, which is very messed up, by the way. It's, it's actually super counterintuitive that the best way to get people to stay is prepare them to leave. And I think I re- there's some real power there. Totally. I really, I really love one of the things I love about uh, your gang, Dan, I'll call them your lot social scientists is they come up with this, this splendid thing to research. And I can imagine them at the business school on maybe like the fourth floor coming up with this idea, getting everything approved. And they're like, well, now we just need some, some loyal subjects. Where should we look? And they're like, Oh, let's just go to the lecture theater downstairs. Let's just, <laughs> oh, I know, I know where we can go. I've, I'm teaching a class and like, they kind of have to do it. So uh, there's our data. <laughs> Rock and roll. <laughs> Let, let's dive a bit into to this method as well. So um, as mentioned, it was the participants were MBA students. Uh, so they were able to get um, 55 of them. Uh, as Dan mentioned, they pretty much like um, followed them for a year and just being a bit like, and, and now? And how do you feel now? And how, how about now? How do you feel now? Um, <laughs> so uh, the average age, was about 31 uh, so at this point they had had on average about seven and a half years of actual work experience and the majority of them had held management roles so these these kids if you can call them that they're not messing around like this is if you go to do an MBA and you could maybe say a bit a bit more about this Dan as well but you, you're kind of not messing about right this isn't just like a because um, like when I when I finished uh, my GCSEs, so I think guess you can call it like high school, you kind of just have to go to like, you know, like college and uni. Like you kind of just like, oh, that's just what you do. So like, I was just a bit like, I don't know what to study, but I've got to go there because I hear yeah. there's going to be alcohol and women. So I guess <laughs> I'll get a degree. Uh, <laughs> but like with an MBA, like you're not really messing around, are you? No, it's one of these things where it's real expensive and there's also the opportunity cost of not making the money while you're not working. So these would be people that were already on pretty good career trajectories or you can't even get in. And then you spend, you know, 70, 80 grand uh, and that whole time you're not working. So there's a real commitment. And as some of the people notice, maybe we'll even read some quotes. <laughs> I think that a lot of people got surprised by how immersive it was. And there's a lot of people that were struck by how they thought they were like the smartest one in the room until they got in this program. And then they realized like they're not even in the top 20%. And I think that it can be almost alarming to learn some of that kind of stuff. Like when you think you're the bomb and then all of a sudden you're in a room with 30 people where 20 of them are a little smarter than you. It it can be disruptive (laughs) to your ego. (laughs) The good thing about these kids is uh, <laughs> they're at least smart enough to know they're not the smartest. Uh, we've got a previous episode on the Dunning-Kruger effect, which shows how damaged it can be or how damaging it could be, should I say, to not be that bright, but not be aware of it. But they at least the 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 insight or the self-awareness to know, oh, okay, I'm kind of like the... Uh, the, the lackey here. Um, yeah. So yeah, so they did this through um, qualitative studies and just to lift some wording off of the actual study itself. So to maximize consistency, the second author conducted all three interviews, the first via telephone and the second and third in person on campus. And these were interviews that were lasting about 
between about 40 and 90 minutes or so. So like quite in-depth conversations and essentially about like, you know, why are you doing, you know, this course and how's it going? Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure if there's anything you wanted to add to that then. Um, I, I don't need to say a lot more about it, but in case some listeners haven't tuned in in the past, I think this idea of qualitative is just worth saying again. It's really different from starting with a theory of what's going on and then crafting a survey and then gathering the data and then testing the theory. And that idea about sort of validating your theory is very different from what's happening here, which is quite exploratory. And as Atkin said, they just talked to people using the same set of questions, prompts, as it were. And then people just talked and talked and talked and talked. And then based on that, you don't always know just what you're looking for. You genuinely, you don't know what people are going to say, first off, but you also don't even know what themes they're going to bring up. So huge amounts of work, and I mean like immense, hundreds of hours of work, go into the three authors just talking about, now, what do we learn here? What, what are the themes? What are the things that keep popping up again and again? And so as we start working through, Akin and I probably will start walking through some of the findings. It's not as though there was like a survey question that got a 6.9. It's more like, for example, some of what they found is this concept of temporary encapsulation. And this is a thing that I hinted at before where it provides like a holding space where you can learn about what you need to know and you can learn about who you are in a way that you're not going to get hurt. And so a lot of people talked about things like, here's a direct quote, we're in a little glass sheltered from everything else. You don't have time to read the newspaper or see the news and all that. You don't really have time to do anything. You only have time to do your studies and be together. So it feels like you only have each other and the learning that comes from being together. And um, you know that's not like some bold, brash new insight that nobody ever thought of before. But I actually think that so many people brought up that theme that then these these authors are saying like, well, that's actually kind of a really important thing about these portable selves is to learn about it. You sort of have to be given the opportunity to figure it out, which is actually in real life and real employment kind of rare because a lot of employers push you to the red line pretty much every day, if not every hour that you have to be perform, 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 hit the targets, make sure that you're perfect, which doesn't always leave a a lot of time for you to learn about you. So I don't know what you thought about that, Akin, but to me, that qualitative piece is, it's important to the, to the design. Yeah. What that, that leaves me with there, Dan is so one, it's not only that you don't have a lot of opportunity to learn about yourself, but what also happens, and this comes with the adaptive and exploratory, what also happens is you don't really have enough time to develop yourself. Like if you, if you're, if you're working nine to five, And, you know, you're clocking at nine and it's just do the job, do the job, do the job. I mean, you're kind of learning on the job, but you're kind of just getting the job done. It's not the same as developing new skills where there might be interests or things that broaden you as an individual. And so on top of that, you're now coupled with the challenge of you might not have that opportunity for introspection as well. And this is what I found to be probably the big the big takeaway from this paper, like we're still going to break down um, uh, a lot of what's kind of like going on here, but the big takeaway, and I feel like this is what really can be of benefit and value to the listeners here is when you're going into situations 
and we're using careers here and jobs as the as the example that is what the study is about but i do genuinely believe that this is much bigger and it's about life going into situations knowing that you're very likely going to divide yourself um i guess intellectually or you're going to divide yourself emotionally and when you now make that decision what happens and this is what's really fascinating about this paper is you realize that there's possibly a lack somewhere so let's say you're you're realizing that a, a situation has not allowed you to really benefit from it because you don't know yourself so now what happens is you now abandon the desire to learn more in that situation in terms of like skills and you use it now as an opportunity to learn more about yourself but if you have not done this consciously you're about to experience quite a lot of stress and anxiety yeah. and it works the other way around as well you go into a situation and you're suddenly aware that you do not have the skills required to excel in this situation so you abandon the need to get to know yourself or to be introspective and you're now like i must focus on upskilling myself and once again if you're not prepared for this what's going to happen is you're going to start feeling inadequate maybe feel a little bit stupid but you're not aware of why you're feeling that way anxiety 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 yeah. and i feel like there's a there's a gift here of going into situations knowing that even my head or my heart is going to be compromised and this might be where my stress is coming from that's really nice akin i even if we don't unpack a load more of it jumping right now to that point is probably those practical thing that that we can squeeze out of this study and i think you've really done that well <laughs> and what's what's interesting about it for me and i don't know if this is too close to what you already said but it certainly is a parallel with it it's this i am um, it's this idea that like for instance say you're going to go into a workout i'm trying to like create an analogy for myself like today i went on a run you go into that workout and if you don't think it's going to hurt when it starts hurting you're very likely to quit because it hurts <laughs> so like i was running up this hill and my heart starts pounding you know and that that's called your heart rate and like the body can interpret that as just pain and like a really natural response to pain is we'll stop doing it <laughs> it's, it's, and so but the point of the exercise is you want it to hurt a bit and it's not far from that, what you're saying right now. It's like when you're going into a new career setting, when you're going into, say, um, to get a new degree, whatever this sort of new uh, social setting you might be going into, if you, start with the, if you start with the knowledge that one of those two is going to dominate, either I'm going to figure out what my skills are and really try to make myself be useful there, or I'm going to use as a chance, almost a friction, a creative friction to learn more about me and who I am. If, if, if you don't know, you have to kind of pick one of those two, then you're in this land of dissonance and it's a sort of mental pain and you might just want to quit. Like literally, like get out of the program or leave or kind of shut down. And what they did, they found that some people did that, that people kind of took a big step back and almost divorced themselves from the situation and then, and then that lasted until they let one, the head or the heart, as it were, the adaptive versus the exploratory dominate. And then the really funny thing, Akin, I don't know if you got this, is once these people decided which one they were, they then made fun of the other ones. Oh, man, I was, I was learning heaps, like reading this. And that was one of the parts that made a lot of sense to me. And 
this is like maybe some some high level psychology which you could help me out with Dan because I read a lot of this stuff for like for giggles um so what I realized is so these these elements like in terms of how we're we're divided like we often look at life as like us and them so you know we divide ourselves between you know left and right red and blue head and heart and we're like us and them but what's really happening is it's this is I love the I love how narcissistic and egocentric we are as people. And I just like, can we all just admit it? Everything is just about us. Like, can we just admit it already? Because what's happening right now is when we when we make a choice between to be either adaptive or to be exploratory, where what we're doing is we're rejecting a part of ourselves, like we're suppressing an element of ourselves, mm-hmm. but we're doing it. I learned here that it's, it's a coping mechanism. Like, yeah. so I learned that this was a coping mechanism. So when Dan talks about us making fun of the, the other side, yeah. it's what, what I seem to understand by this is that, so let's say I'm someone who's very high in the level of skills. Like I've decided I'm going to use this time, this new job to really up my skills. And then I see a colleague who's now more about kind of like introspection and they're all arty and creative. So now me making fun of them, my issue isn't with them. It's they're they're showing something in me that I've rejected. And so in order for me to cope with that situation, I need to kind of ridicule or suppress or kind of separate. Because if it's too close to home, it's going to trigger something. What is going on here, Dan? Yes. Yes. It's almost like, how do you argue with yourself and lose? Yeah, how do you? Even, how how is that even possible? <laughs> but that's it's like part of what we seem to be doing. <laughs> and let me read you a quote just to kind of show uh, one thing. Like Atkins talking about, you got this one person that said, "When I finished my undergrad degree, I got arguably the most enviable job in my class in the university, and of course, I took it." And I've always looked at people around and said, "Well, of course you'd do that because it was the prestigious thing to do." I never really sat back in myself and thought, do I really want to do this? Mm. And that's, it's just so interesting because we've all done that at times in our lives where you do the expected thing and it feels like you're doing the right thing, which is really different from, is it the thing that you want to be doing? (laughs) It's like, there's loads of things you might be good at doing that you don't actually like doing. And yet you spend 30 years doing them. And it's so weird that we, allow ourselves we do that to ourselves and i just i think that papers like this because it in people's own words it just allows you to see that and therefore learn about that i think that's what akin and i both got a lot out of i'm looking at akin like we're deep into the time already um now here's the good news <laughs> let's do good news bad news the good news is okay go I, we've it. we've already kind of hit it like i think that at this point not only have we unpacked enough that we got the the aha is now on the table for people to listen. And you've also done an extremely good job of saying, hey, here's why this is actually kind of practical to know about this in advance. What do we need to tell them? That's What do we need to tell people who aren't going to go t- spend the th- two, three hours reading this thing before <laughs> we get off here, before we dismount? Anything that you I will. Are- yeah, I will re-emphasize because I read this and I was really wrestling with it. And I was wrestling it with it because I'm a bit greedy. Like, I'm like, I want it both. I want to be the best and I want to feel amazing about it. And they're not saying that that is impossible. 
And I had to do, I had to get a bit introspective, actually. I had to get quite introspective because I had to realize that what happens in life is we're going to swing violently between the two. And the younger we are, the the more violent those swings are going to be. And it's not just the younger we are in age. It could also be the younger we are at a, a new company, for example. Like when you're at a new company, you know, it's day one they're going to introduce you to like 19 different people whose names that you're going to forget. And, you know, prior to that first day, you're, going, you're like, you know, this is my, my new day on this job. They're going to get the best acting that they've ever seen. You know, I've had like a couple of weeks in between jobs now. I've had some time off. I know who I want to be going into the future. And so you've had that introspective time and you think I'm going to go into this now and I'm going to present this version of myself. But what's also going to happen is they're going to be like, okay, so like here's some new systems that you're, you're also going to learn. So when you're, when you're young and that's both in age and with like a new company, a new role, even these swings are going to be violent and you're, you're going to have to just, you're kind of going to have to like, you're going to have to pick like, because, you know, we'll, we'll kind of show what happens before we totally dismount. We'll kind of show what happens to the individuals that don't. But in picking, it doesn't mean you're abandoning entirely the other side of yourself. All you're really doing is you're just picking what you're going to focus on. And this is probably another big takeaway. Focus, focus. Are you going to focus on why you are there in terms of like your big why, like who you are and does it fit who you are as a, in, as a person? Or are you going to focus on the work that you do? What are the skills that I need to learn? You don't need to abandon either, but you do need to have a focus on one. And I wrestled with this reading this paper because I wanted it all. But then I got to yeah. the end and I was yeah. like, you know what? <laughs> Not going to happen. Should pick one. <laughs> well, here's something yourself, too. Man. Well, like maybe you find that part about how people kind of implode and explode at the same time when you don't just pick one. Uh, because I think that is, that might be a good place to even kind of end um, this conversation. But I was just going to bring up the point that whether or not you consciously select this, you're probably going to end up leaning one way or the other. Naturally, most of them did. And like, it actually even changes the way you see your environment because the environment mm. is, it's there for different reasons. So like, here's a quote, the folks that were um, adaptive where they kind of saw it as like a chance to improve their skills, they viewed it as a safer training ground one in which they could experiment freely and prepare for the real world. And they described it with words like a safe place to make mistakes or a training ground. They use this type of frame to interpret the identical environment as other people that were seeing it as an exploratory pathway. And they saw it as like a hyper real magnifying glass like that you would like rub up against other people. I don't think literally, I think kind of psychologically, but what you would do is almost use that friction to learn who you were relative to other people. So they would say things like the great thing about here is the pressure they put us through this immense pressure at work. You hide all that, but here you totally expose yourself to that. And so it's almost like the same environment has different, characteristics that hop out at you depending on the reason why you think you're in that environment. And, and Akin, I don't know if you were able to find what happened to people who weren't able to sort of pick one or the other. <laughs> so you find a juicy result, quote? Kind of, well, like, um, 
I, I guess I'll, I'll kind of like, I'll, I'll throw some stuff at them. So like, um, how, how can I put this? So there was one individual and this individual, oh man, cause you know what listeners like bear with us. This is like friggin' 40 pages yeah, of yeah. like dope science. So this is going to be a <laughs> bit scrubby. Okay. But like you had the, the one individual in this study who after not getting the results that they had, had hoped for what they started doing. And this is, this for me was very concerning because what they started doing is they started looking at other elements of their identity with which they could place the blame. So they had gone through this process now and they had, you know, they'd done all of their studying. It didn't go the way that they wanted, but then they started doing something quite negative. And that was like blaming it on like their, their, their country of nationality, for example, and being a bit like, oh, you know, I, I probably would have done better during my MBA if it wasn't for the fact that my nationality is dot, dot, dot. This is, this is, this is like, I would kind of like put this under, I'd kind of like group this under like a bit of like a victim mentality, or it's kind of like, um, you're kind of now, you're looking for anything other than yourself as to why you, you've not got what you wanted. And then as well as that, uh, I think the other example was this element of now being quite defeatist. So some of these individuals had got an MBA, didn't have the experience that they wanted, and maybe didn't get the results that they wanted. I don't know how these grades are dished out, but they now were in a position where they now adopted this defeatist mentality. And that was, well, I guess I'm now just going to end up wearing a suit and going into this office and just hating the rest of my life. And I was reading some of this stuff and I was a bit like, this is, this is really, this is really powerful, but in the wrong way, because now what you're doing is you've had a, uh, a period of like a year where lots of people have come out of it enriched and they've grown and, you know, they're, they're looking now at the world as something that they could, they could really grab by the horns. And you have some individuals who have gone through a very similar in experience and they kind of feel trodden on. And this is, this is something to be quite wary of because mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's quite, it's the easy option. The easy option <laughs> is always to blame the world. And sometimes it is the world, but the harder option is to be a bit like, yo, if the world hits me seven times, I'm a get up eight. <laughs> Maybe the problems within. Yep. Yeah. Well, um, that almost seems to be a theme that would have been rich enough that they could have pulled that. I mean, God, we don't need it to be 55 pages. Uh, there was an, you know, there was, to me, <laughs> you can only do so much. And I don't know if you saw how many appendices there were as well. Akin, but like, oh Lord. Oh my God. The data. Okay. Let's not even go there. Let's move toward a closing because, uh, you know, we probably have used more than our time here. Here's what I want to say in closing rather than even use another quote. I want to say, I want to go back to a point that as a social psychology of the workplace, I genuinely think leaders need to learn from this study. A lot of what we just did, listeners, is we focused on what it feels like to be the person with the career. But right now, I just want to flip it and say, I believe that the best leaders and the best organizations of tomorrow are those that take this learning to say, if you can help people pursue one of those pathways and allow them mm. to develop a portable self, you ironically become a place where they want to work. 
if you squeeze them for every drop and there's just no chance to learn or develop or grow, you just, you're basically just using them like a machine, like riding them mm-hmm. like a horse. Ironically, you're going to push them to your competitors who are investing in them. And so I think that that maybe sounds a little obvious now that we've like gone through this whole article, but I can tell you in the real world, lots of employers are still in this like 1900s industrial management way of thinking, which is like, how do we squeeze every minute of productivity out of these people for every day, for every week? And they kind of burn people out and push them out. And this other approach is to say, if we want to be the kind of organization where people want to work, let's create opportunities for them to learn and self-reflect and grow and try and even play. That might be even too far. But And um, for me, that's actually one of the biggest takeaways of this is how organizations and leaders can learn from that. Nice. Okay, let's wrap up. Let's wrap up this bad boy. Listeners, thanks for rocking with squeezing the orange. We really hope that you're enjoying these because we are loving putting them out. Uh, what you could do is you could help us out anytime you see us tweet about it, when we do like a LinkedIn post about it, hit share, hit like. If you know someone who is kind of who you hear some of these episodes and you're like, ah, this would be like really like, you know, appropriate for Dave who won't stop crying about his bloody life, send it to Dave. <laughs> send Maybe that, it helps send Dave that. out. Um, <laughs> unless unless their name's really Dave and then they think we're speaking. Sorry, Dave is all I can say. Um, and also if you are on iTunes, if you could drop us a five star, a finey, a finey, a shiny five star review, that would be pretty dope as well. I mean, I don't think there's, there's much more to say other, uh, other than over and out. Yeah. Perfect. (laughs) Enjoy the rest of your lives. Peace.